you stand with me if you would? I know you've been standing for a while. I want to direct your attention to the scripture. I want to go to the book of Acts, which I think is an appropriate book for the theme that we are on. Of course, we've been in the book of Acts on our Wednesdays, which has is, is just been incredible. Um, but I want to direct your attention to the book of Acts. I think it's appropriate for the theme that God is dealing with us about and where we are. And uh, I pray the Lord will help me to, to minister and preach the word of the Lord this morning. It's been two weeks. I feel out of practice here. So hopefully I don't butcher this thing today. But Thank you. I appreciate that. In Jesus' name. Acts 1. Here we go. Acts 1. I want to read 3 through 5. And then if you would, maybe just put your finger there, and I want to go to Acts 11. It's an amazing passage of Scripture. Acts 1 and 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, post-resurrection, uh, pre-ascension. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from a Jerusalem. He told them, you stay in Jerusalem because there's something you need in Jerusalem that's going to happen. He said, wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. He said, in order for my mission to be accomplished, apostles, book of Acts church, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to receive something in your life that's going to empower you to do it. Listen, none of us are smart enough, power enough, powerful enough, charismatic uh, have enough abilities in our life to do what we need to do. We need the power of God operating in us. And that's what Jesus was letting them know. I'm getting ready to leave, and I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come, and I'm going to impart unto you something that's going to empower you to change the world. Okay? So notice what he says in 5, and I really want you to notice the verbiage here. For John truly baptized with water, but he said, You're going to be bat ye, and you look your neighbor and say ye, very important word. If you've got a Bible, I want you to underline it. I want you to highlight it because we're going to talk about that single word, two-letter word. He said, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. But you, he said, are going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when Jesus said that, all of the apostles, the disciples were there, and they received what he was saying, and they had a, a limited viewpoint of what Jesus was saying. And Acts 11 is going to illuminate how we know that. So what were they thinking when he said that? They were all Jewish brothers, and they were thinking of the gospel going to the Jewish nation, and you know, us, me, and mine, and our club, we're going to have an awesome revival among just us. It's going to be wonderful. Us Jewish people, he said, ye shall be baptized, the Holy Ghost. Now, Acts 11, notice, this is uh, following uh, Acts chapter 10, of course, the tremendous conversion of the Gentiles and Cornelius. And notice 11. Peter is now going back. The apostles and brethren, they were Jewish that were in Judea, heard that the Gentiles, look at your neighbor again and say, uh-oh, the Gentiles. You know who the Gentiles are, right? They're those people. <laughs> those people. You may want to just pinch your nose right now. They're those people. They heard that the, those people, the Gentiles, they heard that those people had also received the word of God. So naturally, you would assume that they would be highly excited about this, correct? Yes, yes. Revival. Evangelism. Wonderful. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision, the Jews, contended with him. In case you're wondering, that word contend, that means to fight. They start scrapping with him and fighting. Well, how dare you, Peter? Who do you think you are? Saying, verse 3, thou wentest in to men uncircumcised, the, Jew, the, the Gentiles. You went to those people 
and you ate with them. Naughty, naughty, naughty. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I'm, this is what happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying in a trance. I saw a vision, a certain vessel to send, as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners that came even unto me. And you know the story of the sheet that comes down with the four-footed beasts and the bugs and the ugly stuff. And, that. and Pete says, no, I don't eat that. No, the sheet comes down three times. And the Lord says, that which I've called common, don't you call unclean. And, you know, he's sharing with them, guys, this is just what happened. And verse number Number 11, and behold, immediately there were three men already under the house where I was knocking at the door, sent from Caesarea unto me, and the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, and I like what Peter did, these six brethren accompanied me. And I was playing it safe, and I made sure that I had some people to validate what was happening because I knew I might get called on the carpet before the district board. Right? We entered into this man's house. That's good accountability, though. Don't go it alone. 13, and he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. I love this. Oh, my goodness. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. It happened just like in the second chapter of Acts. These Gentiles got the Holy Ghost just like we got it. Us Jewish people, you know, the creme de la creme, the, the chosen, the special ones, they got it just like we did at the beginning. Notice 16. Then Peter says, then I got a revelation from Jesus. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water. But remember the word I told you to remember? But ye... Then I remember the word of the Lord, and Jesus immediately spoke to me, and I remember what Jesus said when he said that ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now, you don't get it, but I'm going to talk about it with the help of the Lord this morning. Because in Acts 1, the ye, they thought meant just us. But in Acts 10, revelation came, and Jesus was showing Peter that the ye wasn't just us. Oh, Holy Ghost. The ye also included them. Those, 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 those people there. But ye, he said, then I remember the word of the Lord, how the, he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. 17, for as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they shut up and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto... Wow. Ha! Man, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. <laughs> wow. He's like, then... The bubble, bubble, bubble light bulb went off. And I realized that God wanted to do for them what he did for us. I want to preach this morning with the help of the Lord on a simple subject, the all-inclusive ye. The all-inclusive ye. If I had a subtitle, it would be this, the day the church changed. Holy Ghost, talk to us today. Thank you for the word. It's already spoken to us. Please 
Anoint to our ears, God. Give us ears that are unstopped. Give us a heart that's pliable and shapeable and compliant and moldable, God, to what you have. There's an all-the-world call that is upon the church, Lord, to reach each one and every one. And I pray help each one of us here today. This is not just collective. This is individual. And I pray that you would talk to each one of us individually as to our responsibility and the call of God that is upon us individually as well as collectively. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. you. May be seated. Thank you. The day, the day the church changed. The day the church changed. As we would walk through the scripture, there are, there are moments, it seems as if, that, that literally change everything. Historical markers, you may call them, you, you may call them a shift, a significant shift, where everything it seems like that was one way up until a certain point of time suddenly in a moment shifts and it, and, it, and, it, and it changes immediately. I would say one of those moments, of course, uh, as we go into the New Testament is, is Bethlehem changed everything. And Thor, every day is Christmas to a Christian. Bethlehem changed everything. Emmanuel, the fact that and I hope we never get bored by the revelation, the fact that, that God, invisible, immaterial, all-powerful, that that God took on human form and, and became a man and subjected himself and brought himself to the lowest common denominator and he became a baby at Bethlehem. Aren't you thankful for that miracle? That God, God, Jehovah, got himself a body out of layaway and he came he came to the earth. The lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world came to planet earth to redeem us after sacrificial systems wouldn't do it and the law wouldn't do it and priesthood wouldn't do it and prophets wouldn't do it and it wasn't enough. That he finally said, what I've got to do is I've, I've got to come to this world myself. And he came at Bethlehem. That changed everything. He ministered, he taught, we read his, his teachings and the miracles, the signs, and the wonders that he did, all of the demonstration of, of his power that he did. And for all of this, of course, he should have been celebrated and commemorated and venerated for who he was and what he did. But you and I know, because we know the, the end of the story, that for all of that, what he received is nails in his wrist and nails in his feet and, and a spear in his side and people spitting upon him and mockery and shame and all of that. And it all ended at the cross of Calvary. But thank God today for the cross because the cross changed everything. Because it was at the cross where he took my sins upon him. I should have been hanging on the cross. Jesus didn't deserve Calvary. He didn't deserve brutality. He didn't deserve mockery. I deserve that. But you know what? He came in my place and the cross changed everything. Literally, our calendars are divided into two binary parts, B.C. and A.D., before Christ, before he came, and Ado Domini, in the year of our Lord, he, Jesus, became literally the most central figure in the history of the world, and Bethlehem and the cross changed everything, and we thank God for that today. We move forward in, in the scriptures. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Of course, we have the Gospels. And the next, next book of the Bible is a very, very important bridge book in the Bible because it bridges between 
the life, the ministry, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, and the epistles that were written to the church. The book of Acts is a vitally important book in your Bible. And I think I'm in the right kind of church that ought to say amen to that. The book of Acts is important. There are some that could accuse you and say, well, why do you make such a big deal out of Acts chapter number 2? Well, we don't really make a big deal out of it. The Bible makes a big deal out, out of it. And the reason that Acts 2 is so important is before Acts chapter number 2, there was no church. But when Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high, and they were tearing and they were praying for that season and that period in that upper room, and the Holy Ghost filled that room, the place where they were sitting, and then the Holy Ghost didn't just fill the room, it filled the people that were in the room. The Bible says, as they were filled, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance, and God filled his people with that miraculous, wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. We call that, we call ourselves, I guess, Pentecostals. Yeah, that's who we are, in case you're wondering. <laughs> but you say, what is, it's not a denominational brand. It's an experience that happened in the second chapter of Acts when Jesus came to indwell human beings with the power of his spirit, the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> and the Holy Ghost makes all the difference. In Acts 2, when, when Christ came into them through the power of the spirit, the church was born in Acts chapter number 2. There was no church before that, but the second chapter. So what are you saying? What I'm saying is that was a moment that changed everything. The church was born. Oh, hallelujah. Where's that organ at? We're going to get us an organ. We've got an organ. We're going to get that organ out because right now we need an organ. Come on, somebody. The church was born. The church is alive. You got miracle signs and wonders. You got Jesus that's alive through his people. Oh, the Bible says, had the princes of this world known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What princes were there at the crucifixion? The only princes that were there were invisible princes. They were principalities and spirits that were there. Because if the devil would have known what he was doing and crucifying Christ, he never would have been involved in hatching out that plan. It never would have happened. Because there was one body of Christ that was hanging on that middle tree. But in the upper room, now there's 120 many little, i got to be careful how I say this, many little Jesuses that, that are now running around. Now we understand that we are not Jesus but we do have the spirit of Jesus inside of us now. The biggest mistake the devil ever made was crucifying Christ upon the cross uh, because when the Holy Ghost was outpoured a few days later, all of a sudden there was a proliferation of his presence and power that was in the hearts, yes, of men and women like you and me, ordinary people that are now saved, sanctified, blessed, uh, and Holy Ghost filled uh, we are now agents of change and redemption to change the world. Oh, yes. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like preaching about the power of Jesus through the church. This church is not meant to be an anemic church. 
He's not coming back for a buck-toothed, bow-legged, ugly bride. He's got himself a beautiful bride that hath made herself ready. I'm talking about the church in all of her beauty. I'm talking about the church empowered in the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the church that's got a mentality that we're not going backwards. A church that's got a mentality that we're going into all the world to make a difference in every culture and every community and every people group. And we're the church of the living God that's meant to institute change in our culture and in our world. The church, the church, the church, the church, the church. Brings us to the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the history. It comprises about 30 years of time. The history of the New Testament church. And um, But can I say this? Sometimes the way we think it's going to be, it ends up turning out a little bit different than the way we think it's going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so it's time for, the book of Acts is time for apostolic project, progress, apostolic, the sent ones, it's change, it's progress, it's forward, it's we're moving the mission forward. But I've got to tell you this morning that this apostolic progress really looked different than what the church expected. Mm-hmm. One of the first great miracles that took place was a lame man at the Gate Beautiful. It wasn't a pretty scene. I wonder if the temple was ADA compliant. Probably not. But a miracle happens with this guy that's been at the church forever with the same old situation that he's had forever. I thank God today that the miracle working power of God, people that are facing situations that they've been in, it seems like that have an aura of invincibility, they're never going to change until Jesus shows up. When Jesus shows up, things that, things that can't change can change. I know some of us have been at this for a little while, but we still believe in the miraculous intervention and the power of God. That we've got a God that can do anything, anytime, any way that he so chooses because, because he's God. He can do it. And he shows up, unbeknownst to them, and this lame man at the gate, beautiful, and he gets healed. The, the next, one of the next major events we see in the book of Acts is the Samaritans, those half-breed between Jew and Assyrian, that the gospel gets preached unto them. And I used the word a couple of weeks ago, and I'll use it again. They had cooties. Paul, that's probably a word to, that we used back when we were younger, right? Cooties. Ooh, they're th- th- those people. Those people. Mm. Those people. I'm so thankful that Jesus loves everybody. The next chapter, right? You want to know what apostolic progress looks like? You got Acts 8, you have the Samaritans, Acts 9. Anybody know what's in Acts 9? It's the conversion of a guy by the name of Saul. He's that guy. Saul, a murderer of Christians. Saul, a persecutor. Saul, the kind of a guy you didn't want in your church. (laughs) I, I I love the Bible because it gives us sometimes insights into, even though we're God's people, the humanity of God's people, let me, let me share the scripture with you. It's, it's Acts 9 and, and 26. So God saves this un, seemingly unsavable guy. He was like a, a murderer. He's like this terrible guy. Everybody's afraid of him. And Acts 9 and 26 says, When Saul was coming to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. He wanted to come to River of Life Church. 
He wanted to come to church. That's all he wanted to do. He just wanted to come to church. But they were all afraid of him. The greeters weren't greeting him happily. People weren't saying, welcome to church. Glad you're here. The Bible says literally, this is how faith-filled God's people can be at times. The Bible says they believe not that he was a disciple. Aren't you thankful that the Bible gives us a little help here? They're like, maybe he's just trying to infiltrate our ranks. What happened to him? I don't think it was really real. They were looking down their noses saying, I don't think maybe he's just trying to, you know, get in in our meetings and learn more about us so that he can infiltrate our ranks and kill more of us. What tremendous faith. We should call for an altar call right now. Hallelujah. Let's pray. What a way to believe in people. They didn't believe in, they didn't believe in, they probably didn't want to believe. Unbelievable. Oh, hallelujah. Holy Ghost, help us. But what Jesus was trying to prove, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. He was trying to prove to the church that there's nobody that I can't save. Mm. There's nobody that I can't save. He's like, I am going to make an example and a trophy out of this guy that they call Saul, this beast of a man, this man that's a persecutor, this horrible guy, this guy that the church was afraid of. God said, I'm going to handpick him. He said, I'm going to put my salvation upon his life. I'm going to fill him with the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to prove the whole world that there's nobody that I can't save, that there's nobody that I can't reach. I'm thankful on this Sunday morning that we've got a God that can reach to the bottom of the barrel and those that appear to be the most unreachable. As a matter of fact, you better be really, really careful before you start saying, oh, God could never save them. I don't think, or you know, we're smart enough that we don't say it, but we think it. And we can think, well, man, I don't know of anybody. I, I think they could get saved, but there's no way that they could get saved. God was trying to prove to the church uh, that there's nobody. There's no liar. There's no stealer. There's no arrogant man. There's no, no so dirty and perverted and hateful and unforgiving and violent person that God says uh, that I'm not able to save. As a matter of fact, there are times that God proves to all of us uh, that he can do anything uh, with anybody because his gospel is that powerful it is the power of God unto salvation and can save anybody oh hallelujah hallelujah I said it earlier but you may look around and some of us may not know you may be new into the into the kingdom of God you may new, be new in the church here and you look around and you're like yeah I'm just me and I've just and you look around you see these these special sanctified saints and you look around but I'm telling you right now, what you don't know is you don't know where they came from. You don't know what kind of lives that they lived. <laughs> we don't have one of those country club churches. Everybody comes to God that, you know, they had six-figure incomes and they had the leave it to beaver family. Some of you don't even know who he was. But, you know, our church is filled with the Brady Bunch family. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you don't get that either probably, but... Everything mixed up, messed up, but Jesus. I'm telling you, if, Paul, if God can save Paul Tribbett, he can save anybody. It's true. Paul's going to probably talk tonight a little bit, our evangelist tonight. I mean, he's told me the stories. He used to beat people up, man. He's kind of guy, he, we need, he'd make a good usher. You ever have a serious situation? 
He said, I'll just bring out, pull out a pipe wrench, and I'll beat him over the head. In and out of jail. What, 26 times, Paul? In and out of jail. But you know what? God specializes. Oh, God. Linda, where's Linda at? When Linda first came to church, I thought, I thought she was the Baptist pastor's wife. I did. I'm like, she came to church. She just seemed like she had it all together. She had it all together. Little did I know, though, that Linda grew up in the bars, singing in the bars, singing country gospel, or not country gospel, but singing. She started singing country gospel after. Country western. Who'd have known? But guess what? God specializes in reaching the unreachable. We got people in here who used to live out of your car. We got people in here that used to be prostitutes. We got people in here that used to be drug addicts. People in here that used to be drug dealers. But thanks be unto God that we've got a God that specializes in saving anybody. And you know what I think is pretty cool? Y'all clean up pretty good. Y'all looking pretty good this Sunday morning. Y'all cleaned up and your families together. And... But you know what? None of us can say Paul is. Look what I have done. Look how great a family I've built. Look at what I've done. Because we know where we came from. And we know what God's done for us. We know what kind of lives we used to live. We know what we used to be. But we're not that anymore. Because Jesus changed us. He changed us. We're not what we used to be. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not what you used to be. You need to remind yourself of that sometimes when the devil tries to tempt you. I've got to get to the word here, but I really feel, I feel, I feel like encouraging someone this morning because the devil wants to bring you back. But you need to say, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. No, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to the world. I'm not going back to what I used to be. God wanted to know, and he wanted to, it was a moment that changed the church, Acts chapter number 9, all right? And we go into the next chapter, Acts chapter number 10. Now, you got a Bible, you need to mark this up, and you need to put a, put a bookmark in there, and you need to mark this chapter up, because literally, the 10th chapter of Acts is literally the day when the church changed. The church changed in Acts chapter number 10. It is one of the biggest New Testament moments that you will find in your Bible. It is a watershed moment. I won't, I won't, I preached it two weeks ago. I won't get into that whole story, but do you remember? Peter is lounging on the rooftop and, and he had been walking around Joppa and and, and had been walking around witnessing. It had been a long day probably. He goes up on the rooftop. He smells the smell of baking fish wafting up through the boards as he's on the rooftop. And, and he begins to have a little prayer meeting with Jesus. And he starts talking to the Lord. And in this prayer meeting, all of a sudden, he does what a lot of us do when we get to praying. He fell asleep. And as he falls asleep, this vision happens. And this sheet comes out of the heavens and comes down. There's all these weird Beasts and four-footed beasts and animals. And the Lord says, ah, Pete, why don't you get up and eat? That's appetizing, right? Peter says, no, I don't do that because I'm a good, I'm a good, 
I'm a good holy Jew. I don't do that. All my life, I've avoided all those things. I don't do that. And the sheet comes down a second time. The Lord says the same thing. The voice of God compels him. Rise, he said, no, I don't do it. Third time it comes down. And about the third time that that thing comes up, he wakes out of this little, this little uh, uh, vision that he's in. And, and there's a knock at the door. And can I tell you that the knock at that door was the knock that changed the New Testament church. The knock at the door is representatives of this guy named Cornelius. And as the story goes, they, he shows up at the house of Cornelius and, and uh, he's being led of God. He's got six Jewish brothers with him and he, he shows up and he begins to preach unto them. He's like, I guess that which the Lord has called common, I can't call unclean. i got to preach to these, these people. i got to preach to these people. I don't want to be here. I'm a Jew. Those aren't my kind of people. You know what all of us are like? Let's just let's talk about human nature here for a minute. You know the kind of people we want to hang around? We want to hang around the kind of people that are like us. It's human nature. It's the way that it is. Sectarian, segmented. I want to be around my kind of people. He goes there and he preaches, he begins to preach the gospel. He starts preaching about Jesus to these people. <laughs> and while he's preaching about Jesus to these Gentile people, while he's preaching, the Holy Ghost falls on them that heard the word of God. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to I teach a doctrinal message. I don't have time to do it. I mean, I hope it's doctrinal, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. I would like to go deeper into this. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. He heard them speaking in tongues, and he said, well, <laughs> speaking in tongues, just like we were speaking in tongues back in Acts chapter number 2. And so he says, guys, I mean, can any man forbid, can we stop them from being baptized? It's obvious that God has filled them with the Holy Ghost just like he filled us with, us with the Holy Ghost. Us with the Holy Ghost. He filled them, those people. With, if he filled those people with the Holy Ghost, well, it looks like we got to baptize them just like we were baptized, right? And the church changed on that day. All right? Because up until that point in time, listen up, Christianity looked Jewish at this time. The style, the music, the culture, the culture was comfortable. Everybody looked like me. The church looked like me. Church was all my people, their social structure and their system, their synagogue, their habits, their law, their historical perspective, everybody that was in the church had the same perspective. And they kind of evidently liked it. Everybody had the same skin color. Everybody had the same ethnic lineage. Oh, God help us. This was a big deal because the church up until Acts 10 predominantly and primarily was just us. It was our people. <laughs> but God was trying to rearrange their thinking. In fact, they didn't really even believe that God would do it for those people. It factually had not even entered their minds. It was a shock to them. It was a shock that the gospel 
was for everybody. That it was for the whole world. That the revelation of Jesus and the gospel was for anybody and everybody. And in Acts chapter number 10 is the moment that the church changed. I got a question for River of Life on this Sunday morning. This hot July Sunday morning. Are we still in July? Is it August yet? No, it's coming. I got a question for River of Life. When will the church change? River of Life will change when Revelation informs us that the church is not going to look like me forever. My age, my skin color, my personality, my preferences. I'm reminding the church on this Sunday morning that the church should have different age groups in the church. And I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. I, I, I get it. But I thank God this morning that the church has young people in it. I thank God for it. I thank God. Church is for young people. I dearly love our young people. We need to pray for our young people. It's a very difficult week for our young people. I thank God. New young people. What about the young people in RJ, what is it, RJMS? What about the young people in the elementary schools? I thank God today. I thank God the church should have Sunday school kids. We should have tons of Sunday school kids. I mean, little bambinos running around forever. There's a couple of different ways you can grow a church. You can have lots of babies. Amen. Go home, young couples. Have babies. <laughs> Shake your head like that. Have babies. You've already made your contribution. So have we. Get busy, young couples. Get busy. But I'm going to tell you the other way. We don't just grow the church like the Mormons grow the church. Right? I tell you how we grow the church. We realize that, that children matter to Jesus enough that we're willing to reach out to the children in our community. The wheels on the bus go round and round. Right? That's why we have a Sunday school bus. Because this church cannot just be filled, though it may make me comfortable with people that are just like me in my age range and my peer group and the people that I like to hang with that speak my language. Oh God, the church has got to have, it's got to have a Sunday school that's busting at the seams. But I got to warn the church that when that happens, there's going to be a lot of messes that happen in the church when we got lots of children in the church. Uh-huh. There's going to be crayon on the walls. There's going to be Kool-Aid on the floor. We'll do our best to make sure that it doesn't happen. But let there be crayons on the wall and Kool-Aid on the floor as long as we're reaching precious children with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was in one of the weirdest services you could ever be in, and you know what? It made me feel really good. I was in Dallas, Fort Worth. I was in Fort Worth First Church. Some of you know Tom Foster, the church that he pastors. And I was there, and we were on vacation. We were visiting, and, and we showed up right as church was starting. And, and it's a large auditorium. It seats about 1,000 people, and there are different banks of, of seats, of course, like most churches are. And uh, we came in just a little bit late there, and we walked in, and we sat down. Little did we know that we sat <laughs> in the scariest section in the church. 
Because when I sat down and it was kind of empty, that little spot, we were sitting right there. And all of a sudden, I look around, all of a sudden, there was hundreds and hundreds of kids all around us. And Brother Foster's preaching the word and the Holy Ghost is moving and I'm, and I'm looking around and, and literally there are, there, there are, there are kids that are, like, that are like turned around in their chairs and they're like talking to each other and they got like their iPad out and I'm like, and there's like this dull hum and roar. Some kids are talking. I'm like, this is like the most unorganized thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Dave Hall would have been going nuts. I'm like, but you know why? It's because their buses had bussed in hundreds and hundreds of neighborhood kids that guess what? They don't know how to act in church. And this is about the time that we had a great influx of a lot of kids. And our kids would, some of you remember we had, this is pre-COVID, but we had tons of kids here and they're running around and they're screaming and, you're, and our Sunday school teachers would try to keep them together and all that. And you know what we need to say as the church? Bring it on. Because that's what the church exists for. The church can't just be my kind and me and my pals and those that I'm the most comfortable with. I got a question for River of Life. Is this just a white church? I mean, I do realize that we don't live in like the most ethnically diverse community in the world. I mean, I get that. But you know what? The church needs to be reaching everybody. What about the Native American population? Come on, what about those that have different skin color than we do? The gospel is for everybody. Cultures are different. They may be different. They may not think like I think and talk like I talk. And their musical preferences may be different. But I thank God today that the gospel is for the whole world. It's not just for me and mine. It's not just for our comfortable little group. The gospel is for anybody and everybody. Jesus so loved the world that he gave himself for everybody. This isn't just a woman church. It's not just a man church, right? Amen. Good, I did that. It's for everybody. It ought to appeal to everybody. This is the church. That's why we don't have a great, I'm sorry, we don't have a big pink flower arrangement up here. If you like that, sorry. Because men can come to Jesus Christ and not have to turn in their man card to serve Jesus. Remember years ago praying, God, send, send men. Send men. We love everybody, but we, we need men in the church. We don't just need ladies, and we need men in the church. And I want to stand here on this Sunday morning on this platform and say, thank God for all you good godly men that serve the Lord. We need to be reaching more men with the gospel of Christ. Because this church is for everybody. It's not just a girl church. It's a church for everybody. This church is for all nationalities. Amen. With God's help, this is going to be a foreign missions church, a global missions church, a missions church. What does that mean? I mean, I don't, I don't know how this is all going to work, but I'm just giving you fair warning that we pray together and seek the Lord together. All those pictures on the back of the wall, those are missionaries that this church supports. we got to do better than that, though. We need to be building Bible schools in other nations. Come on. We need to be helping build church in other nations. I don't know what this is going to look like or what the next step is going to be for River of Life, but I tell you what, we, we need to have missions groups that come from this church and are a blessing in other countries and can help the work of God in other countries. This, this has to be an all-nationalities global church. Hallelujah. I love this church. I thank God for this church. 
We've tried to give the best years of our life to the work of God in this community, and it's been the greatest privilege and honor of my life. I love this church. I thank God for this church. I come to remind this church, this church isn't just for us. This church is for them and them and them and them. It's for those that are outside of the walls of this church. The first Christian church had racial disparities. They did. They did. I don't got time and I'm not going to commentate too heavily on this culturally in America, but America is facing all these the racism issues and all these things that are perennial things that seem to be popping up. Can I just say this? This is, this is not an American problem. Racism is not an American problem. It's a human nature problem. As long as you got people, people are going to segment to their groups. And in some ways, I hate to tell you this. I don't have to tell you this because it's what the Bible says. But in some ways, God created that. It's called the Tower of Babel. He confused the languages. He confused the languages because he said that these people are going to accomplish what they set forth to accomplish on their own. In their sense of unity and their, 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 their similar language, their ability to communicate, they're going to, they're going to fulfill what they're setting out to do. God said, I'm going to confuse the languages. He didn't just do it just so that it would create racism. But I'm so thankful. Guess what? The confusion of the languages that happened at Babel was healed at Pentecost because now we speak in a heavenly language. Now we've all got the same heavenly father. Now we've all been washed in the same blood. Come on, now we've all been filled with the like same spirit. We've got the same Holy Ghost. We've got the same blood. We've got the same Father. We've got the same spiritual family. We're one in Christ. There is a unity. And I'll tell you for the polarization of America. I'll tell you what I give the polarization of America. I give America Pentecost. The church of the living God. The church that can heal the wounds of our culture when the church wakes up and realizes that we're all one in Christ and there's an answer for the fallen brokenness humanity and it is Jesus it is the gospel it is the blood of the lamb it is the Holy Ghost it is the power of God and it is the marching mission of Jesus which is to go into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ the moment the church changed for the church to change you know who had to get the revelation first who had to get the revelation first Peter had to get the revelation first well, why did Peter have to get the revelation first don't you remember Matthew 16 when he said thou art the Christ the son of the living God and, and Jesus said Thou art Peter, and upon this rock. He said, Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. It was, again, a divine revelation. He said, and with that revelation, he said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The keys. The man with the keys had to have a revelation. Because you know what? He was wise enough in Acts chapter number 2 to stand up with the eleven and preach Acts 2.38 repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and key number one went into the Jewish slot and he opened the door of the gospel to the, to the Jewish folks when Peter got the revelation he, he preached to, to the Jewish folks and the door swung wide open wide but you know what it had to go beyond that so who had to get the revelation next Peter had to get the revelation. 
he had to get the revelation that that key was not just a Jewish key. And let's, let's, let's be fair to Peter here. He just didn't know. He had no idea. He just didn't have, he was, he was a well-intentioned man of God. He just didn't know. What are you saying? I'm saying the leadership has to get this vision. The leadership has to get this vision. Leadership has to get this vision. I'm calling on all of the church here on this Sunday morning. Leadership, life group leaders get the vision. Sunday school teachers get the vision. Everybody in the church gets the vision. What's the vision? The vision is everybody needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody. And vision, though, has to start with leadership. If leaders, that's just God's anointed plan, his appointed plan. It starts with leadership. It starts with leadership. That's how God chooses it. The anointing flows from the head down to the feet. That's how it works. And so Peter gets the revelation. He gets the vision. And all of a sudden, he shows up to Cornelius' house, and people are talking in tongues, and they're baptizing them in Jesus' name. And, and the church changes on that day when the gospel opens up to all the Gentiles, and it happens that day. But I'll tell you what's kind of healthy. <clears throat> he had to account for his actions. We never get so spiritual that we are no longer accountable. Peter was, he could say, man, I'm the man with the keys. I don't got to answer nobody. I'm going to tell nobody nothing. But you know what? When that Jerusalem council, they called him in Acts chapter 11, he shows up in the council and he probably walks into that, that, that low ceilinged living room, maybe. And he walks in and there's the, there's the council, and there are the other Jewish apostles. And he walks in, and, and naturally he was greeted with great excitement over the fact that revival had broken out to a new people group, right? They're excited for him. No, that's not what they were. The Bible says they contended with him. So what you doing, man? Don't you know that you're not supposed to eat with those kind of people? He said, well, all I can tell you, and he's, he was a submitted man himself, he was powerful, but he was submitted. Pretty intimidating scene, you got to imagine, though. The board is sitting there, and they got their clay carafe filled with water, sweat on the outside, their little cups, and they're, they're looking down their gun barrel at, at Peter, and Peter, you, you got some answering to do. About that time, he says, all I can tell you is God gave me this vision, and I followed through on that vision. I showed up in this house, and, and, and here were these people. They weren't like us. Man, I started preaching to him. I started telling him about Jesus. <laughs> and when you start talking about Jesus, he shows up. You know. I started talking about Jesus, and, and he showed up. And, and before I knew it, these, 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 those people, they're, they're, they're talking in tongues. And they're speaking in tongues. It, it kind of, God gave them the like gift as he gave unto us. And it kind of, it just freaked me out if you want to know the truth, guys. But then I remembered the word of the Lord. And while I'm preaching, God spoke to me. What he told us in Acts 1, when he said, And ye shall be filled with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He said, God gave me a word of affirmation and confirmation that ye shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. And when he told me that, he said, Immediately I recognized that the ye was not just us Jewish folks. Oh, Jesus, help us. He said, Then I realized that the ye wasn't just us. When Jesus said, ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost many days hence, 
He said, the Lord was showing me that the ye wasn't just us and our little people group. He said, then I remembered the word of the Lord, how that he said, and ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He said, then I realized that the ye wasn't just my fellow Jewish countrymen. Then I realized that the ye wasn't just us. It was a revelation from God that the gospel was going to be for the whole world. It was going to be for Jew and it was going to be for Gentile. And, and Jerusalem Council, I realized at that moment that God was doing something brand new. I realized that God was opening a door that hitherto had been unexplored. Something that is all-encompassing. And the revelation had to hit the church that the gospel wasn't just for the comfortable ones that were already in the church. The gospel was for those that were not in the church yet. That the gospel was not exclusive to just me and mine and the people that I like and the people that I'm comfortable with and the people that speak the same language that I speak and the people that look like me and act like me and I'm the most comfortable with. He said the gospel was not meant to be exclusive but the gospel was meant to be inclusive meaning that that's everybody that means the lowest that means the poorest that means the richest that means anybody in everybody the gospel is for everybody in Acts number 11 in 10 flips open a new page in the history of the church. And it helps me to recognize the fact that Pentecost has always had to fight tunnel vision. You know why that is? We're human. Narrow-mindedness from the beginning. Why? It's human nature. Human nature limits people. Come on, folks. Human nature limits God. Even though God was at an he was doing an incredible work, their minds were still wrapping their head around. Wait a second, them? You know, well, it can't happen to them. It shouldn't happen to them. This is for us. This is for us clean people. It can't happen for them. Pentecost has always struggled to some degree with tunnel vision, people bottlenecking God's blessings to our own preconceived ideas. But listen up. Sometimes God picks up the most unbelievable. So that we see that anyone can get it. Anyone can have what we have. This promise is unto you and to your children. Even as many as are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He said, even those. He said, us, our children. And he also said, but those that are afar off. I'm so thankful that Jesus still reaches those that are afar off. And I'll tell you what I know about this church. This, is, this church is filled with people that were afar off. You know what that means? They were out there. Some of you all were out there, but God brought you into the church. God transformed you. God changed you. Oh, God, I don't have time. I wish. I'd love to go into my own testimony. Listen, I wasn't raised in a Christian church. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was raised by a rattlesnake eating former Green Beret, third-degree black belt, company president, 
And, and I, man, I, we didn't go to church. We didn't do this until all of a sudden a point in my, my parents' life when they're in marital disharmony and divorce uh, and all of a sudden crazy Uncle Bob, that Pentecostal, invites us to church and 15-year-old unsaved Ron Lichtel walks into an environment like this. I didn't want to be a Christian. I mean, I believed in God, but I didn't think you people, this, you people are nutty. You people are wacky. You people are nuts. This isn't for me. But all of a sudden when I went to a meeting one night, when my heart, my heart wasn't right. Like the song says, something got a hold of me. And he got a hold of me at 15 years of age. And, and I was an outsider. But Jesus made me an insider. I'm so thankful for that. And everybody in the world deserves that opportunity. Everybody in the world deserves that chance to find God in their life like you did and like I did. They may be different than us, but oh, they deserve a chance to know Jesus Christ. We need a fresh revelation in the church that God can reach anybody, anytime, anywhere. We need to welcome diversity into the church. what that means? That means people that aren't like us. That means black people. That means white people. That means Hispanic people. That means Asian people. That means, God bless all the German people. That's my people. Doug, was it, when you were testifying last week, did you say the Norwegians? That's why you're so attractive. And you say something like that. That's why she fell in love with me. Nor Finnish. Finnish. We need Finnish people in the church. We need Norwegian people in the church. We need Scandinavian people in the church. We need every color. We need every creed. We need every people group. We need rich. We need poor. Everybody deserves a chance. Come on, business owners in the community. We're willing to reach folks that are down and out. But how about those that are up and out? How about those that are sitting in the boardroom sick of their life and they're empty? Medical professionals, lawyers, city council. Yes, lawyers can get the Holy Ghost too. Millennials need the Holy Ghost. Generation X, that's me. Gen Xers need the Holy Ghost. Millennials need the Holy Ghost. Amen. Baby boomers. We need more baby boomers in the church. I'm really going to mess with some of y'all right now. But that's the fun part about preaching. Republicans in the church. Independents in the church. Democrats in the church. Ow, I know, I know, I know, I know. I already know where you people are going in your head. I already know where you're going. I already know where you're going. Well, listen, we've got to take people where they are like Jesus takes people where they are. And that's when the revelation revolution begins. When Jesus begins to work in people's hearts and lives, guess what? Their thinking start to change. We, we, can't, we can't just be a Republican church. We can't just be an independent. We can't be a Democratic church. we got to be a Christian church that reaches to anybody and everybody. Listen, people's politics can't get in the way of me reaching them with the gospel of Christ. That's why we don't lead with our politics. That's why I don't have a, a Biden bummer sticker on the back. There's a number of reasons, but I don't have a Biden bummer sticker on the back of my car. I don't have a Trump bummer sticker on the back of my car because I could give a fly and flip about all that. I tell you what I want. I want people to know Jesus. That's what matters. People got to know Jesus. 
A church is going to have former homosexuals and transvestites, and, and that's going to happen. People that God brings out of the world and transforms their life and changes them. But where the doors are open, where people can experience the goodness and the mercy and the love of God. Hallelujah. Whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. We need young couples. We need middle-aged couples. We need elder couples, right? We need different kinds of people. That's intellectual people, strategic people. We, we need quiet, artistic, creative melancholies. Those are my kind of people, by the way. I like those kind of people. But you know what? We also need bold, fanatical, daring cholerics. They're the ones that get under your skin sometimes. <laughs> we need fun-loving, personable sanguines. They're the ones that get on your nerves sometimes too. They never want to get any work done. All they want to do is play, play, play. Now we need everybody in the church. We need peaceful and steady phlegmatics. What are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is, we need people that are not like us. People who don't think like us. They don't share our political views. They don't listen to the same music we do. We've got to get this figured out. And I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for the grace that's, that's, that works in this church. Let me say it like this. Worshiping God matters. Exactly how we worship doesn't matter. I'm going to say it again. Worshiping God matters. Exactly how we worship really doesn't matter. I, we've got biblical imperatives and parameters. I understand that. But not everybody's going to run the aisles. It's okay. Some people, when the presence of the Lord touch them, their, their nose gets red and the tears come out of their eyes. You say, well, come on, what's the matter with you? You ought to, you ought to shout more. You ought to jump more. I think what, what we all ought to do is we ought to worship God in our way that is appropriate that the Lord, the Lord loves. That's, that's what matters. That's what matters. That's why this is a wonderfully grace-filled church. And, and, and this church is, 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 I think, by and large, got it in this sense. Because it's not the style of song that we sing. Some of y'all like country gospel. And you say, that's really singing. But you know what? This church, we can worship whether country gospels are being sung. We can pull the, I think the, the worship team did a wonderful job leading us this morning in worship. We thank God for that. They do a wonderful job. Wonderful job as we worship the Lord together. That's great. We can pull an old songbook song. And the young person doesn't have to judge the elder because that song meant something more to them because it identifies with where they were at in life. And it's okay. We don't have to judge one another. We don't have to be condemned. We can just all worship the Lord together. We're, we may do it in different ways. But how we do it doesn't matter, but that we do it matters. Thank you, River of Life, for getting this. Doctrine matters. Truth matters. But church architecture really doesn't matter. Lights or no lights, do what you want to do. It doesn't, I mean, in the end of the day, it really it doesn't matter. Doctrine matters. Sexual distinction matters. But style doesn't matter. Get what I'm saying? The message matters. What is said, the message matters. The method doesn't necessarily matter. We can use door hangers. We can use tracks. We can use social media or a Bible study. What I'm, what I'm saying fundamentally is we have to distinguish between what is essential and what is preferential. Clap your hands on the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost. I could, I could bust apart in about 100 different directions right now. And I've got to, I've got to finish. I got to, I am, wheels are down. Put your tray tables up. 
We're going to land, all right? We must distinguish between what is essential and what is preferential. And if the only way I'm going to be happy with my church is if all my preferences are made and met, I'm going to be an unhappy person. But if I can recognize what the essentials are, there's some things I may not get into, and that's fine. We all have our preferences. That's okay. But I tell you what really matters. What really matters is that we reach everybody. With the, there's going to be people that come into this church. They're going to, they're going to, if you're not careful, they're going to get under your skin. They're going to be different. When revival, okay, I, I, I feel like preaching a little vision as we close here today. We've come out of a tough year. But you know what? God's mission and his mandate has not changed. It's no different than what it's always been. And there's a reason why the church still exists in the world, and the church still exists in the world to reach those that are outside of its boundaries. And its The church exists for that purpose. That's why we exist as the church. As we come out of this difficult year that we have all been through, may we be reminded that our mission is unchanged. It is to love Jesus. It is to walk with Jesus. And it's to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as that happens, there's going to be some uncomfortable moments. And I'm just preparing you. Well, we've never done it like that before. (laughs) I've never done that before. We've never tried that before. Wow. Sunday school is kind of crazy right now. Man, there's like 120 kids running around this building. Man, it's kind of chaotic. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, how about a brand new youth revival in our church? How about a youth revival? How about another youth revival? Hallelujah. Acts 10 and 11, the church woke up to an all-the-world reach. The church is meant to be filled with different kinds of people. And all those different kinds of people are harmonized to be one in Christ. It's the all inclusive ye but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence they thought it meant well what we would all naturally think me but what God was saying is that ye was everybody amen I'm closing the ye I believe that the ye means the children that are in our elementary schools right now that are unevangelized I believe the ye means the kids that have not come into our church yet. I believe the ye means your server at the restaurant. You've eaten there enough times and she knows who you are. She knows because you give her a 20 or 25% tip every time. See what I did there? Cheap people don't win people to God. (laughs) I know because I was a server. We show the love of God to people. They know who you are. They know when you come walking in. I've tried to make it a habit. We'll have got this evangelism call coming up really soon here with uh, Brother Cook. And he helped us out with our harvest book and how we keep names of people and, and remember them. And so I've, I've tried to make a habit of that. When I walk in the restaurant, I say, hey, how, how you doing? Call them by name. And you know what's funny? After a while, I think they felt the pressure. I didn't even mean it to be that way. And so now when I come walk, they say, hey, hi, Ron, how you doing? It's like, I know their name. They got to know my name. That server at the restaurant, that's 
the all-inclusive ye applies to him or her. Young people, that school teacher that was with you all, all year, the gospel applies to them. That pain in the butt neighbor that's been a real irritation to you, they're a part of that ye too. The ye is your auto mechanic. The ye is your insurance agent. The gospel's for them too. McDonald's drive through worker, when you go through there and get your Diet Coke, the ye applies to them as well. Culver's worker that hand, hands you that fattening concrete mixer, the ye applies to them. Applebee's waitress that keeps your iced tea topped off, the ye applies to them. Those family members of yours that haven't come into the church and you just wonder, man, is it ever going to happen? The gospel applies to them as well. Your unsaved mother, your unsaved father. I'm just saying social media, I mean, it's there. So easy for us to be glued to our story and our Instagram feed and all that. Every snap, we make sure they get answered. But I wonder if this tool could be used to reach somebody with the gospel and not just my own personal pleasure. Amen. I don't know. I don't know where all this is going to go. I just don't know. Maybe it's a homeless ministry that's compassionate and helpful. Maybe God's been talking to some of you about a jail ministry. You, you've, you've thought about it for years, and that's all you've done is thought about it. But this all-inclusive ye in Acts 10 and 11 Jesus was saying, it's all changing now because the gospel is for the whole world. Let's lift our hands to the Lord today. Can we reach out to him and respond?